This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. Hey there, thanks for listening. My name is Brian Vincent Weber, and you're listening to the Bartender Journey Podcast number 78. Well, I'm just back from Tales of the Cocktail 2014. Good afternoon, Mama. Welcome to the 2014 12th Annual Tales of the Cocktail. Cocktail lovers, Tales of the Cocktail is just about the most fun you can possibly have. And it's also just about the most educational experience you can have uh, if you're in this business, the bar business, or even the restaurant business, the hotel business. Uh, It's so much fun. You learn so much, and you meet the greatest people. You get to have opportunities that you you have nowhere else in the world. I mean, I I had Dushan Zarek from uh, employees, you know, formerly of employees only, still one of the owners, as I understand, but he doesn't work there anymore. Uh, He made me a drink, personally. Yeah. It was fucking awesome. Uh, I had I had Jim Meehan, who uh, I interviewed uh, recently at his bar, PDT, but uh, uh, he didn't make me a drink while we were there, unfortunately, but uh, he made me a drink at Tales of the Cocktail, and it was awesome. Uh, there's a guy named Alex Cretina, who is just, he made me several drinks because he was just so fun to watch. Um, we just couldn't leave. Uh, th- there's these um, events in the evening, or all, all through the day, actually, called uh, duos, as they're called at Tales of the Cocktail. And uh, that's where these stars of the bartending world g- actually get behind the bar and will make you a drink. And it's uh, pretty incredible. And they're at some really awesome venues. Uh, they're out at the bars in New Orleans or sometimes at um unusual location like the Gas Light Factory. This place, they're still making – we talked about it um, when I interviewed Ann Tunerman, fa- founder of Tales of the Cocktail. We talked about uh, this place. But, um, yeah, there's a place where they actually make gas lights still to this day in New Orleans. And it's an awesome little venue for a party. And it has this little outdoor co- courtyard where they were serving oysters. Oh, amazing. And, uh, oh, so this guy, uh, Alex Cretina, and you should look him up because he's so much fun to watch make drinks, so much fun to talk to, and uh, had a great time there. So, uh, oh, I went to a lot of seminars too, lots of them. And uh, I recorded all of them, all the ones that I went to, that is. And those will be available to Tales 365 members. And that's a new program from Tales of the Cocktail that you can join up and you can get all this content, including my uh, a bunch of podcasts that I'm going to record exclusively for them. And also uh, video content. There's a lot of the um, seminars were actually videotaped from start to finish, and you'll be able to access those. And uh, as well as all kinds of other benefits, just look it up. Uh, you can go to talesofthecocktail.com slash tails365 or just go to tails.cocktail.com and you'll see the tab for tails365 and you'll you'll learn about um, all the cool stuff you can get through that program including some um, discounts and other benefits so it's uh, it's a pretty good deal actually based on uh, all the content that you get like Ann Tunerman said uh, on the show um, I guess it was two weeks ago when I interviewed her uh, that was probably show 76 I would say and um she said, you know, if you, she made a good point. If you go to Tales of the Cocktail, first of all, that costs you a bunch of money. But then to get into each seminar, it's 50 bucks or so, you know. So for one set price, you get access to a whole, yeah, I curse on this show, a whole shitload of seminars that um, you can access and you can um, listen to or watch or both uh, on Tales 365. So it's. Yeah, it's a pretty good deal. So while I was down there, um, I just want to show off a little. I had breakfast with Dale DeGroff and interviewed him at the same time. How do, how do you see um, this all progressing over the next, say, maybe two to four years or so? <laughs> 
I couldn't see this coming, so I don't have a clue where it's going from here. <laughs> it was uh, a little early, and we were both a little, um, well, let's uh, just say it was early, and um, it was a great conversation, great conversation. Uh, we met at this outdoor cafe for breakfast, was which was maybe not the best venue for an audio recording, but Dale suggested it, so who was I to say no? But uh, you, you're going to hear some great stuff from Dale. Um, oh, and uh, sorry, that's for a tale of 365 members too, but we'll, we'll put snippets up here on Bartender Journey too so you guys get to hear it. Okay. I met David Wondrich, which um, if you don't know David Wondrich, please, well, you should. He's a great author and a cocktail historian. We, uh, we had a little chat uh, briefly, and um, he's such a nice, humble guy and uh, really interesting. Uh, I, love, I love his writing, and um, I, I was a little nervous to meet him, actually, because he's written so many great books, and his writing's like a little snarky, and I was afraid, like, but he was the most nicest guy, very gracious, and uh, I, had, I brought one of his books with me, and he was so happy to sign it. It was his book, Esquire Drinks, An Opinionated and Irreverent Guide to Drinking. And uh, I was, it's, you know, not his newest book, to say the least. It's, uh, I don't know when it was published, but, um, you know, I was afraid he was going to, like, be, not be happy that I didn't bring his newest book, but he said, he said, oh my God, I can't believe you brought that book. I'm so happy. I had so much fun writing that book, and I'm glad you enjoy it. I said, I told him, I've read this book cover to cover like five times. I love this book. Uh, so look it up, by the way, if you're interested. Esquire drinks an opinionated and in reverent guide to drinking. And um, the intro or the first couple chapters have a great um, history about uh, of drinking spirits and uh, distilling and how it's made and very entertaining to read. So it's, um, it, it's a great lesson and also very fun to read. But then it goes on to... Um, Sort of your core uh, core drinks, you know. Nothing. I forget how he put it exactly, but he said these are these are the drinks that uh, you'll probably have the bottles around if if you have a somewhat well stocked bar, uh, either at home or you know at your bar. You should be able to make all of these drinks, and it's you know it's nothing uh, nothing crazy, and they're all great drinks. Um, mostly uh, mostly classic drinks through history and. Um, I love this book, and he was he was happy that I loved it, so that, that made me happy. At Tales of the Cocktail 2014 this year, there was a um, big nightclub party, and uh, that was at the Harrah's Casino there in New Orleans, and uh, that was kind of cool. Didn't stay there too long, but it was a night. It was probably the one and only nightclub party. So uh, they brought in, they imported a whole bunch of bartenders from Las Vegas who were uh, there making drinks, and that was, um, yeah, it was fun. But that was sort of the only one and only nightclub party, like I said. And, um, you know, unlike the nightclub and bar show in Las Vegas, you know, the majority of it is about nightclub. Not majority, but a lot of it's about nightclubs. Uh, in Tales of the Cocktail, most of the venues you're going to go to are these cool old bars. Some of them have been there for – we went to a place called Antoine's. It's been there continuously operating since 1840. And the place is huge. There's all these different rooms. Uh, we got backstage access. Their wine cellar, got a chance to see that through bars. <laughs> Didn't actually go inside. It was literally like a city block long. It was unbelievable. You could see from where we were inside to the other end where there was a window that went out to the street. It was like a city block. It was unbelievable. And there was also um, this little room back there that held all these bottles behind glass that were um, – you know, stuff that they don't sell. They just kind of collect it over the years. And it was 
amazing. And, uh, you know, apparently presidents and popes and movie stars and anything else that you can think of has uh, been to this place. After the tour was over, we sat at the bar. A bartender named Mike, who... (laughs) I couldn't stop saying was the best bartender I've ever seen in my life. He reminded me of Lloyd from uh, The Shining, if you've ever seen that movie, except he had a giant smile on his face the entire time. He had a, he did not stop smiling for a second, including when I could see uh, – I was sitting at one end of the bar. At the other end of the bar, I could see the manager came up to him, kind of a surly guy, and gave him some shit about something. I don't know what. And the entire time, Mike was smiling. He came back, he was still smiling, did not stop smiling at all, even though he looked like he just got, um, pardon the expression, reamed out for something. So (laughs) that was really interesting. And uh, the food was awesome, and the drinks were great. What else, what else? Well, I went to a lot of seminars, um, which I said I recorded them all. Um, I can't put up those audio recordings of the seminars here on Bartender Journey, but like I said, you can hear them on Tales 365. But I did take a lot of notes and uh, stuff I'd like to share with you. Um, maybe uh, each week over the next couple of weeks, I'll talk about different seminars I went to and the notes that I took. So uh, this one was called In God We Trust. It's all about bartender's choice. You know, a lot of times people come up to the bar, I don't know what I want. Uh, can you help me? Can you choose something for me? So uh, this seminar was all about that. The beginning of the seminar, they started with bartender choice is not. Bartender's choice is not. Making up brand new drinks on the spot. So uh, it's not a place for experimentation. You're not going to just pull something out of the uh, thin air and come up with something. You know, you got to have stuff in mind ahead of time and uh, be able to pull from that resource. So it's, it's not the easiest thing to do. I'll tell you what, from experience, it's not the easiest thing to do. But, um, well, that's what this whole seminar was about, doing that better. So like I said in my notes here, it's not the place to make up drinks on the spot. It's not the place for R&D or research and development, as we call it. It's also really not time for the guests to experiment. So it's not the time for them to say, oh, you know, pour a little bit of this in, pour a little bit of that in, pour some of that in. You know, no, it doesn't go like that. That's not cool because you're you're losing control at that point. And the final point they made on that was it's not the time for you to steer your guest into what you think they should be drinking. So, for instance, if you like Campari or whatever it is you like, this is not the time to try to get your guest to try that because you think they should try it. You know, you got to think about what's going to be right for them. Then on the other side of the coin, bartender choice is a great place to introduce your guests to new products but it has to be within their comfort zone. So um, you have something new, something interesting, you want to introduce them to it, but, um, you know, make sure you think they're going to be comfortable, they're going to be cool with it. It's a great way to build relationships, so uh, build trust with your guests, make them something cool that they like, and now they trust you. It can be a way to uh, expedite service or make things go quicker because, you know, if you got somebody down at the other end of the bar uh, who's drinking something and now you got somebody over here who's looking to try something new, hey, um, try this. I'm already making it. Don't tell them that part. I'm already making it. But uh, let's have, how about you try this? You make two instead of one. It goes a lot quicker that way, right? 
It can also be a great way to manage alcohol consumption. So, um, you know, responsible serving, if they're drinking too much or you can tell they've already had a few before they got to you, uh, suggest something that's not too high in alcohol content. Great point. The next thing they said was the bartender needs to feel strongly about what they are suggesting. Yeah, be committed to it. I like that point. One of the panelists said that... um, He says to his guests, we have a great return policy. If you don't like what I make you, I'll make you something else. It's no big deal. I like that. Especially when they're putting the choice in your hands, you know, you got to be ready to make them something else if they don't like it. And they started to talk about how uh, you can tell when somebody doesn't like it, you know, because they're sitting there, you know, and you you can even go up to them. How do you like it? Oh, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. I like it. And then you're like thinking, I don't think she likes it. And then, uh, so you might want to offer, maybe they were considering a different drink. Maybe, you know, maybe you offered them two choices and now uh, they picked one and they don't like that one. Well, maybe you want to make them a little sample of the, of the other one that they were thinking about or um, even just offer to replace it with the other one. In the seminar, they talked about um, price, you know, so it's bartender's choice. We're not making something up on the spot, but we're uh, coming up with something maybe a little different or interesting or using some different ingredients. Now, the question is, what's this thing going to cost? Somebody said something cool, which uh, one of the panelists said something that I thought was awesome, um, and and it applies to bartender's choice and other things as well. She said she would say this to her guests, I don't like surprises on my check, so I just want to let you know that's a $16 cocktail. It made a lot of sense, you know, and even with, um, you know, even if somebody's ordering whatever it is, you know, a double bourbon or something, you know, <laughs> I thought that was a great way to uh, to approach the subject before you pour it, you know. Uh, I don't like surprises on my check, so I just want to let you know. And I think usually the guests will respond to that or they can reject it, which is fine, which is, but that's better than after you pour it, Right. Some of the questions they used um, when quizzing the people to figure out what they want or what what the uh, guests will be happy with, with bartender's choice. First question, have you been here before? So that might spark a conversation. Um, If the answer is no, have you had a cocktail recently that you specifically enjoyed or remembered? So that's another, another great way to get an idea of what they like. And then how about this question? Is there a specific ingredient you don't like or maybe you're even allergic to? That's a great way to figure out what they'll be happy with. And then just some other things that came up in the seminar, not necessarily related to Bartender's Choice, but uh, great stuff that I wrote down that I thought was awesome. It was uh, One was when opening a new bar, you have to learn your neighborhood. You have to learn, your, learn about your guests. It's going to all take time. So uh, don't try to do too much too quick. And then one of the panelists says, Bartender's, you're not as much of an asset to your bar as you think you are. <laughs> Everybody laughed. <laughs> Gave everybody a little something to think about anyway. The um, staff meeting came up a lot at this seminar, and uh, which came up in a lot of the seminars, actually, and uh, weekly staff meetings in education. Anyway, at this particular seminar, they started talking about um, – one assignment they would give to their staff at the staff meeting, uh, there would be, um, you know, a hat with uh, different bars, local bars, and then a- another hat with different cocktails. And uh, one person a week would have to pick out one bar and one cocktail and then go to that bar and they'd get, you know, a little money to pay for their drink. And uh, they would go to that bar, order the drink, and then at the next staff meeting, they would report back on their findings and ha- their experience. So <laughs> that was a 
great, great idea. I love that idea. Anyway, all right. Well, let's wrap it up for this week of Bartender Journey. And uh, again, my name is Brian Vincent Weber. You may know me as Vince if you've been listening for a long time. If you're a new listener, welcome. And uh, please feel free to get in touch with me anytime for any reason. You can get me on email at vince.bartender at gmail.com. You can get me on Twitter at barkeeptips. You can find our website at bartenderjourney.net. And, of course, you can find us on iTunes by searching Bartender Journey. And uh, please subscribe to our show so you get the new ones automatically as soon as they come out. And while you're on iTunes, please do me a great favor and uh, rate us. You can give up to five stars. Five stars is the most stars you can give. Well, give as many as you think we deserve. But you can also leave a comment there, which helps a lot. helps other people find us, and uh, we appreciate it. So, um... We'll be back next week with more Bartender Talk. And um, that's about it for this week. Cheers.